You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Jesus, whenever he was uh, um, with his disciples, they were near Samaria and they were hungry, so they went into town to get bread. And uh, when they came back, they found that Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman there in John chapter number 4. We're going to be in Romans 10. Uh, he found that Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman, a woman that, uh, that they, the Jews did not affiliate themselves with. But, they, but there was Jesus talking to this woman. And when they offered him bread after she put her faith and trust in Christ, he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing because... The attitude of the Christian is is that we are content in what God has done for us. We're content in our blessings, but at the same time, we need to have a hunger. Because the bread that Jesus had to eat that they knew not of was the bread of seeing souls come to Him. People coming to Christ. And so we're blessed. We're so blessed. Amen? Has God been good to you? Amen. And you know what? We, we need not ever feel guilty for God blessing us. Amen. We could just praise the Lord for how good God's been to us. And I'm telling you, He's not done. Amen. He just keeps pouring the blessings on. God is good. And even through the most adverse circumstances, God is still good. And in the midst of those things, God still shows Himself strong. He blesses us, but He blesses us so that we might be a blessing to others as well. And the more we're a blessing to others, the more uh, blessings we're able to enjoy. And so in Romans 10, I want to read the first four verses to begin with. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse number 1, Brethren, my heart's desire. And if you would maybe underline that or mark that. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record. That they have a zeal of God. What a great thing to have a zeal of God. But they've got a zeal of God, but it's not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone that believeth. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you'll help us this morning as we uh, are here in your place. God, fill in your presence in our midst. We thank you for that blessing. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you, Lord, that it can be well with our souls today because of the work that you did there on the cross of Calvary and the fact that you rose again the third day. Thank you, dear Lord, for doing that for us. Thank you for sending somebody our way that would pray for us and love us and reach us with the gospel. And God, I pray that you'll help us this morning, each and every individual in here today. Help us as a church collectively, God, to make sure that we keep that desire, heart's desire to see people come to the Lord, to see those that have come to the Lord grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and see what it is to live a surrendered, victorious life in You. God, help us, dear God, to keep the main thing, the main thing in our lives. If there's anybody here today that is not saved, God, I pray that You will help them to humble themselves, help them to submit themselves to the righteousness of God. And we'll thank You for that, Lord, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, after many weeks, we made it through Romans chapter number 9. And through Romans chapter number 9, we were looking in big part at Israel's, uh, their present rejection. But in the chapter 9, it talked about the divine sovereignty of God and how how God was working throughout the history of Israel and how He's still working in Israel today. I've mentioned that throughout this process, I've been in the book of Ezekiel and it's just astounding in my personal study and reading uh, to read about what God said He would do with the nation Israel and that He has done and is doing with the nation Israel. So we looked in chapter 9 at God's divine sovereignty in regards to Israel's past uh, past rejection or present rejection of Him. And this chapter 10 begins to deal with human responsibility. Chapter 9 dealt with divine sovereignty. Chapter 10 with human responsibility. And believe me uh, for sure, I've said this many times, but those do err who do not believe the two can coexist. Amen? There's the sovereignty of God, and then there's the responsibility of man. The nation Israel failed in being God's channel of blessing to mankind. And we can never forget that that's what God set them up for, to be a channel of blessing to mankind. And by the way, they did fulfill that to some extent. We have a Bible today because of Jews. But it was Jewish people, but the nation as a whole failed to be this channel, failed to honor God, failed to reach the world and make a difference for the Lord. So now... The Lord has raised up the church. And for the last 2,000 years, God has been working with a group that's not just Jew, not just Gentile, but is a collection of both that have come together in Christ. And we are now, the church is the channel of blessing to this world. We are to be the channel of that blessing. And that also means, so we, we can think of that like as a church, sure, the church should be a channel of blessing, but don't ever forget about who the local church really is. The local church, if you look around, it's you. Amen? We did not paint. Uh, we did, we, in, tr- in the true sense of the word, we did not just paint the church or put siding on the church or do anything else in the church. Some of you may have painted the church this morning. Some of you ladies. Uh, but the, the point of the matter is, if you want to see the church, look around. Look around. It's us. It's people. And so when God says He wants, to be, he wants the church to be the channel of blessing to this world, that's you. And that's me. And it's us as individuals. And yes, it is us collectively through the ministries and everything of this church. But I hope that every one of you understand that each of you today are in full-time Christian service. If, if you're not in full-time Christian service, you should be in full-time Christian service. You say, oh, well, you don't understand. I'm a welder. I'm a doctor. Uh, I, I'm a farmer. I, I, I work at Walmart. I, you know, I'm retired. Whatever the case may be, I'm a student. No matter where you are in your life, listen, that's where God has you. And He has you there to perform a ministry for Him. Uh, you, you don't divide that and then go do a ministry. You have a ministry right there because you have a ministry that I cannot have. Amen? I cannot reach the people that you are working with because I've never seen them, many of them. Uh, God has placed you there to be an influence and a blessing, a channel of blessing. And so, uh, so when we think about that, uh, I, I think of John chapter 7, verse 38. Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water." He that believeth on me, Jesus says, as the Scriptures hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. John 7, 38. That's an interesting verse. God said that if we believe on him, 
that there would be rivers of living water flowing from our bellies. Well, obviously, he's not speaking literally there. He's speaking figuratively. And those, the rivers that he's talking about there, you can read on and you can read around that text, and you can find that those rivers are talking about the Holy Spirit of God working through our lives to bless others. Rivers of living water flowing from our belly. Our belly there, when the Bible refers to the belly, it's referring to our innermost being. Our innermost being, our soul. And so that we should be rivers, that rivers of water should be flowing through us. So if you think about it, how does a river work? A river, uh, just like uh, rain and snow are found at the source of a river, so God's blessings come down on us. And the more snow, and of course that's a concern around here every year, isn't it? When they get a ton of snow up north or up in Montana, we know that it's going to mean, uh, it can mean flooding potentially for down here. But it starts there at the source. And then from there comes down the river. And there's a reason that for, uh, for millennium that people have built around rivers because that's where life-giving power is around these rivers and blessing around these rivers. But God's blessings come down on us and then those blessings should flow through our lives to make a difference in the lives of other people. Guess what? The more blessings we get, uh, the more blessings other people ought to be receiving around us. We are a channel of blessings. Now, the thing that we've got to be careful of is this. That if we, we, we have to have an outlet. A river has an outlet. A river has a place to go. But if we cease to have an outlet, if we do not have an outlet, rather than a river, we become reservoirs. We become reservoirs. We take in God's blessings to the full. And then we become stagnant. And we're, we're, we're no longer allowing our... And, and, and once that reservoir is full, well, it's no need to keep pumping water in there. It's full. All right, and we know that there's some water that comes in and out of there and so forth, but the but the but the main point is it's no longer flowing. It's no longer fresh. It's no longer really life-giving. Uh, it's 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 more of a reservoir than a river. But so but by God's grace, amen, God's people, we're to be rivers, amen. Rivers flowing through us. Has God been good to you? Has God blessed you? Man, what a blessing. Singing it as well to my soul. What a blessing to be able to say that today. Uh, not many in the world can pro proclaim that it is well with my soul. But we can proclaim that today. We have been so blessed in regards to salvation. In regards to all that God has done in our lives. And I'm telling you, if I never got past being, being able to just speak about what it means to be forgiven of my sins... I mean, to be rescued from a place called hell. I mean, to be a child of God and to have my eternal destiny secure. Man, that's enough to shout from here on about. But man, God gave me even a lot more than that, hasn't He you? And so we've been so blessed and we ought to thank Him for that. But the more we're blessed, we ought to be a blessing to others. And so we see this demonstrated through the life of Paul. And so the first thing that we see here with the Apostle Paul, this channel of blessing, is we see real compassion. I told you to mark or to underline. I told you to mark or to underline. The, uh, the, 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 the words, heart's desire. Heart's desire. Brethren, my heart's desire. And I, I thought about that when I read that. What's my heart's desire? If I could have anything, what would that be? 
What would my heart's desire be? Just from deep inside of me, man, this is what I really want. This is what I really want. Well, the Apostle Paul said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So he's got a real compassion. And so this real compassion reveals his purpose. His consuming love for the Savior led him to love that which the Lord loves. Or I should say, which is really those, those whom Jesus loves. It's not necessarily what God loves, but whom Jesus loves. The more we love the Lord, the more we should love the things that He loves. Amen? And the people that He loves. And, and that consumed Paul. His desire became his decision. Whatever your desire is, this goes both positive and negative. You mark this down. Whatever your desire is, your desire usually becomes your decision. In other words, we make decisions based upon our desires. Our desires become our decisions. Our choices become our chains. You say, well, how is that positive? Amen. Our choice is becoming our change. The Apostle Paul said, man, I'm a bondservant. I'm a slave. Man, I have voluntarily put myself in chains and said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Lord, I'm not looking for credit. I'm not looking for anything else. God, I just want to do your will. So his desire became his decision. His choice became his change. Something he was committed to. And so, what is your desire? Because whatever it is, it's going to base your decisions. But because of Paul's desire, because of his desire, listen, he was on a mission. He was on a mission. I'm glad this church supports missionaries. And I'm glad that we believe in missions. And we support some great people and they're missionaries. Why? Because they're on a mission. Amen. But you know what? Every one of us need to be on a mission as well. Hey, I mean, listen, I'm a, I need to be on a mission as the preacher, but it's not just me. Each and every one of us need to be on a mission. We need to have a focus by the grace of God, someone to channel our blessings. And part of that blessings, as we think about the Apostle Paul, we have all been given a great treasure to share. You know, many of you have perhaps heard the illustration before, but can you imagine, I mean, I, I, I imagine if I was to ask for a show of hands of those who hate cancer today, we would have a lot of agreement in here, all right? Can you imagine having a legit cure for cancer? I mean, I'm talking about legit and not sharing it with people. Or having some other legit cure that you could share with folks, but you wouldn't share it. I mean, what kind of person would that be? But then I think about myself sometimes. I have the answer to eternal life. I have an answer to the, the, the problem of sin that's destroying people's lives. I know how people can live a better life and have a sure eternity. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just need to share it with someone. Amen? I need, to, I need to share this with someone. May God help us to understand that we have the cure, as it were. So... We look at this world around us. Oh, my friend, listen, the world around us needs to be our blessing or our, or our, uh, our outlet, if you will. He's given us a, a treasure to share. The more we empty ourselves, the more He fills us up. He, Paul had a desire that directed him. Paul had a desire that drove him. 
Do you know that there's a lot of things about God that are uh, kind of oxymoronic? In other words, He says, the more, the, the more you give, basically, uh, the more he's gonna, you're going to get. We have this thing of feeling like, well, if I give, I'm going to have less. But God says, no, you give, and you're going to have more. And so somebody says, man, what did Jesus say? He said, if we, will, if we try to save our lives, we're going to lose our lives. But if we will give our lives, He says that we're going to gain a life. Amen? And what God is saying right there is this. We, from our human reasoning, we think, oh, I don't want to spend myself. I, you know, people are so scared. Isn't it something And I say this because I could say it from experience? I can remember when God was really dealing with my heart about surrendering to His will. Saying, Lord, whatever you want me to do. I will do whatever you want me to do. Go anywhere you want me to go. I will stop anything you want me to stop or start whatever you want me to start. I will lay this down. I mean, anything. Anybody ever, you ever done that? If you think about that, I, I hate to admit it, but I know that times that I've thought about that, it scared me. It scared me. Because I thought, I don't want to lose my life here. What if God tells me to do something I don't want to do? What if God tells me to go somewhere I don't want to go? What if God says I need to give up something I don't want to give up? Or maybe He, he tells me I need to start something I don't really want to start. Amen. What if He does that? But what we fail to realize is this. Man, we're not losing anything. When you give it to God, you're not losing anything. Amen? I'm telling you, you are going to be so much more blessed. There has not been one person yet that has given it all to God, surrendered it all to the Lord, that has regretted it. Amen. Because you give that, you find out that God gives a lot more. Amen. He bestows many more blessings. Praise the Lord. Is that not so? And so, listen, I mean, th that, that treasure, it drove him to share with other people. And so as a result of that, when I talk about giving, the greatest type of giving that we can do is giving the gospel. Giving our lives. Giving our testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that, I love what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 15 verse 16. And boy, I'm so appreciative of, of, uh, of, of Tyson's testimony this morning. As he was testifying, I was thinking about, man, that just lines right up with the message. Romans chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, the Apostle Paul says this, So as much as in me is, I mean as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. For as much as in me is, I'm ready. Now, many of us may have to confess that sometimes we do feel a sense of shame and hesitancy and whatever when it comes to sharing the gospel. But man, we're robbing ourselves. Right. We're ro Not only are we robbing that unsaved person, we're robbing ourselves. Amen. Of a blessing. We're robbing ourselves of God channeling His blessing and His love through us. The Apostle Paul got it. God help us to get it. He had a desire and he's like, man, I'm full. As much as in... you just ever really ready to do something? Before I'm done preaching today, there's some of you that's going to be really ready to go eat. And you're going to be consumed with that idea. And you're going to think, man, as much as it's in me is, I want to eat. Some of you, some of you got, some of you got food maybe slow cooking right now. Yeah. Amen. I mean, it's getting tender. It's getting good. And, you, and, and as much as is in you is, man, I really, really want it. But what the apostle Paul said, as much as is in me is, 
my desire. I want, I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to tell somebody about Christ. And, and you may look and you may say, oh, well, well I, I don't know enough about the Bible. Listen, if you're saved, you don't have to know a whole lot about the Bible. You need to learn. But if you, if, if you at least know that you're saved, share that with somebody. And you say, why don't they ask me a question that I don't know? Tell them you don't know. But say, but one thing I do know is I once was lost and now I'm found. Amen. And I know that if you will call on the Lord, He'll save you too. What about Cain's wife? I don't know about Cain's wife. But I know about Jesus. Amen. Don't worry about what you don't know. Now, as I say that, believe me, I want, I want each of us to grow in the Word of God and, and, and study. But I'm telling you, you don't have to wait to become some kind of theologian or some scholar uh, before you tell people about Christ. If you know Christ, tell somebody. Amen? I was lost, uh, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Amen? I mean, boy, that blind man, I'm sure some of you thought about him as I mentioned that he, uh, Jesus healed the blind man. He was blind from the time he was born. And, and, uh, and Jesus healed the man. And they says, well, is that the Christ that healed you? Is He the Messiah, the one promised from the Old Testament? He says, I don't know. All I know is I, I was once blind, but now I see. I just know I'm healed. Amen. And that's all you, I mean, share the gospel. I mean, by God's grace, listen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And so this real compassion of His, by the way, I love the word compassion. It's a very challenging word, compassion. Compassion, uh, the word passion, you know, a lot of words change and, and lose por portions of their meaning. But the word passion actually literally means suffering. And the word C-O-M, come, it's, 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 it's a word that goes together. And it means, uh, it, it means uh, compassion, it means with. Come means with. So compassion literally means suffering with. So when the, when, the, when the Good Samaritan was traveling and saw the man that had been beaten and left for dead on the side of the road, religion came by and looked on. Well, one, well the, the first priest came by and he just came by and he just avoided them altogether. Religion can't do a whole lot for people that are, for broken lives. That's why they just generally reject them. You've got a broken life. You've got a checkered past. Sorry, can't really help you. Just stay away from our church. <laughs> we, don't like, we don't want your kind around here. They can't do much for it. Well, but then you've got the Levites. You've got some religions that will try to have some outreach for them and try to have some, some uh, things to try to offer to help, just like uh, the Levite came by. And the Bible says he saw him and, 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 and he felt for him. He felt bad. He, he came by and he looked on him, at least. But when the Good Samaritan came, the Bible says when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He had compassion. He suffered with him. He thought, man, that could be me. He may have even thought that was me at one point. But he had compassion. And you know what that compassion did? That compassion caused him to get dirty. That, that compassion actually cost him some of his possessions as he, as he helped that man, as he, as he paid the, 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 the way for that man to be put up and lodged until he got better. That compassion drove him. So uh, he had this compassion. So real compassion re revealed the, the, the Paul's purpose. Also, real compassion results in prayer. Results in prayer. I was really convicted, and I am convicted as I preach and teach this to you, because I don't preach it as someone that's coming from a position that I can say that I'm super proud of myself on. I want to be a better witness for Christ. I want to be a bolder witness for Christ. I want to have more of a burden. But you know one of the things that's revealed to me? If we don't pray for people, we're probably not going to get a burden for people. Amen. How many
many unsaved people's names have we called out this week to the Lord? God, I pray for John. If he's in Sunday school, there's a little joke with that. But I pray for this one. I pray for this one. You know what? I'm telling you, we need to pray. And we begin to pray because we're not, there's nothing wrong with praying for our needs, by the way. The Bible says we should. Jesus said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. That's fine. But we need to pray for other people. We need to pray intercessory prayer. We need to pray. And I remember uh, years ago, one time I know that this worked, I would pray for my mom. My mom was unsaved. My mom was unsaved. And I would pray for my mom. And when I prayed for my mom, I would close my eyes and I'd say, Lord, please save my mama. Lord, if you don't save her, God, she's going to burn in hell for all eternity. Is that not right? My mom was the sweetest lady, one of the nicest ladies. Man, my mom was awesome, but my mom was not saved. My mom needed a Savior. So you know what I tried to do when I prayed? I tried to envision my mom in hell. Because that's exactly where she was going if she didn't get saved. Well, that's not very pleasant. It's not very pleasant at all. But you want to know something? When I did that, man, I got a burden. It broke my heart. And it made, it, it's a burden that drove me. And so since I was praying for her, since I was calling her name out, it, it, it was on my heart, it was on my mind. And I'd go and, I, and that would drive me to say, Mom, I'm praying for you. Mom, you need to get saved. And by, by the way, praise God, good news, Mama did get saved uh, after a while. But when I first started praying, Mom didn't even think she needed to be saved. Mom was hanging on to profession that she made when she was 16 years old. But mom wasn't saved, but she needed to be saved. And so that bothered me. You know, one of the hardest things, it's, it's, it's a blessing when people understand that they're lost. Yeah. It really is. It's a blessing that people understand that they are lost and that they're on their way to hell. When you meet people like that, man, they're one step ahead of many religious people. Because you've, you've got to get the religious people to the place that some of the people in the bars in these places are. To where they know they're lost. Where they know they need forgiveness. Where they know they need salvation. Whether they want it or not, at least they know they need it. These religious people sit up in these churches all high and holy and sanctimonious and self-righteous. And we need to get them at least to that place where they know they need a Savior. But that's how my mom was. But praise God, my mom got to the point where she knew she, knew she needed a Savior. And praise God, it was sometime after that, but then she come to Christ. We need to pray for the unsaved. Pray for them to come to Christ. We need to get back to the days of tear-stained altars. There used to be a time to where it was, it was not an uncommon thing that people would just come up here and mourn and weep around the altars up in the front just praying and begging God to save their loved ones, save their friends, save their neighbors. If we're not careful, we get too nonchalant about that. Uh, there was a missionary to India by the name of John Hyde. And he prayed, Lord, give me souls lest I die. Give me souls lest I die. George Whitfield, he said, Lord, give me souls or take my own. George Whitfield, pre- I mean, man, he preached. And I wish I could remember, I had the number of how often he would preach in the course of a week. But he was given his life. He got to the point where his health was so bad, he would, he, he would preach and he would go vomit. Then he would come back and preach again. He was sick. He preached himself sick. He almost preached himself to death. But he kept on preaching because he wanted people to come to the Lord. He said, Lord, give me souls or take my own. John Knox would often pass the night in prayer. His wife would encourage him to come, come to bed. But he would reply to his wife, How can I sleep when my land is not saved how can I sleep when my land is not saved 
How can we sleep when our loved ones are not saved? When our friends and our neighbors aren't saved? Oh, my friend, it may take us skipping a meal. It may take us, I mean, uh, having some sacrificing some time to, to get ourselves apart from the world and everything going on in it and get in some place alone with God and say, Lord, these people, my family is going to hell or my friends and they need to be saved. God saved them. He said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And so he had a, a burden. And so this burden that he had for him to be this channel, it started with him having a real compassion. But then it went on. He had this burden as a result of the religious condition of the nation of Israel. These, this really parallels many people that we love and know today. Notice what he says here. For I bear them record, verse 2, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So the, the nation of Israel rejected Christ when He came. The Bible says He came to His own, and that's the Jewish people, and the, the nation of Israel, and the, His own received Him not. Now we understand many Israelites, many Jewish people did receive Him, but the point is that as a nation, they rejected Him. He came into His own, His own received Him not. But Paul gave several reasons why Israel rejected their Messiah, but it's the same reasons that many reject the Lord Jesus Christ today. Number one, they did not feel a need for salvation. He said they had a zeal of God. He said, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. How could Paul bear them record? Do you know how? Because he was once one of them. He was given a witness. You know how he could give a witness? Because he said, I used to be that guy. I, I was trying to keep the law. I thought I was really hot stuff. I thought I was the chosen. I didn't think I needed to be saved. It was a blessing. I'm uh, going back and studying a little bit about uh, John Wesley. And when John Wesley was a preacher for the Church, church of England, uh, but when he got saved, uh, he was still uh, preaching in uh, Church of England churches, which is in America's, uh, you know, the, the Episcopals are the church, the uh, uh, American version of that, but uh, but he, he was preaching in those churches. But man, he was preaching salvation by grace through faith. And when he got up there saying that we're all sinners, and when he got up there saying that that uh, as, as he looked around at all the ladies in there, he said that you're not better uh, than a common prostitute. And when he told the men that they're no better, uh, that, they're, that they're just as much sinners as, as the drunkard that's forsaken and beaten his wife and kids, man, he literally was getting kicked out of churches left and right and saying, don't you ever come back here again. Uh, and, uh, but, but why? Because people need to re realize uh, that, they, uh, that they need to be saved. They didn't see their need for salvation. Uh, but why? Because of their misguided religious exercise. They were zealous for God. They had a zeal for God. You know people that have a zeal for God and the, their church? And man, you know people that are just proud to death of their church? I know people like that. When I say their church, they're just like, oh, you ought to see it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, ma'am, you are missing it. You're missing it. Uh, you know, and oh yeah, and, and people have a zeal for God. I mean, listen, the Muslim people have a zeal for God. I mean, it's the wrong God, but it's no more the wrong God than these other people have that claim it's our God. But it's not the God of the Bible. That's right. 
Amen. They have a zeal for God, but it's just not according to righteousness. Um, and we see what that zeal does. And so Paul himself had been zealous, but their zeal was not based on knowledge. It was without light. Sad to say there's many religious people uh, today that are making the same mistake. They think that their good works and religious deeds will save them when actually these practices are keeping them from being saved. Many are sincere and devout, but sincerity and devotion will never save the soul. Many of you came to this place, and there may be some that still need to come to this place. Religious people must come to a place where they recognize that their religious assets are actually liabilities. I'll say that again. People need to come to the place when they recognize that their religious assets are actually liabilities. And so, because what we do is we sit and say, well, okay, I will admit that maybe I've broken this commandment and I don't live up to it here. But you know, I have been baptized. I am a, and, and, and I am a member in good standing of this church. And I do give a certain amount of money and I, 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 all these things that I do. These are going in the asset column. But what Paul, the Apostle Paul, you know what he says? Philippians 3, 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss. Because God says that all of our righteousnesses is as filthy rags. Because when we come to Christ, we've got to come empty handed. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. And so, uh, so, so, uh, so that, and that's the place where Paul come to. So their, uh, their misguided religious exercise, their misguided religious enterprise, they being ignorant of God's righteousness, went about to establish their own righteousness. And that's what people do. That's why people have this works-based salvation. Being ignorant of God's righteousness. Now with Israel, I believe in so many ways they were willfully ignorant. They, 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 they did ignore the message that was before them. The, the years, the centuries that God had messages and worked with them as a nation. But I tell you, there's a lot of people that think that they're okay because of their, uh, their enterprise, as you will. Their, their employment, that which they try to do for their church or their zeal for God. There was a, a preacher from uh, many years ago by the name of Robert Murray McCheyenne. And he was passing out tracts one day. And he, went, he handed one to a well-dressed lady. And she gave him a haughty look and said, Sir, you must not know who I am. You must not know who I am. In his kind way, Mick Cheyenne replied, Madam, there's coming a day of judgment. And on that day, it will not make any difference who you are. It will not make any difference who you are. And so we see that he had, we see the religious condition. Paul's real compassion became of an understanding of their religious condition, the condition of a lost world. But we see also a ready confession. Notice what the Bible says here in Romans 10, verse number 8. The Bible says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. A ready confession. The word is nigh thee. Even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Literally, salvation is that close to someone. The word is in your mouth. This ready confession. Verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord upon all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we see a ready confession. Salvation is so simple. If people would just humble themselves, if people would submit, that but to submit takes humility. To submit takes an, a confession. To submit to God is to say this, my way is not the way. Grandma's way is not the way. God's way is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so there's a pride that fights to submit. See, the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God work together in conviction to, to, to woo and, and show a person their need of salvation and draw a person to salvation. Man, He works and He speaks and He, and he draws because He's got so much invested in you and He wants to save you. And He convicts us of our sin. And He shows us our need to repent of our sins. To have a change of mind concerning our sin. Which is going to result in a change of our attitude and a change in our walk. But it's a change of mind. That repentance. That we say, I need... But we got to submit to the righteousness of God. Which is just simply to say this. Okay, Lord. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of that, that the, it's, it's the illustration of people during the invitation having a firm grip on the chair in front of them or the pew in front of them. I am not moving. I am not calling on Christ. I am not. You see what I'm saying? They're not willing to submit themselves and just say, okay, Lord, I give up. Amen. Lord, save me. Be my Savior. I trust you. And that's the idea there. It's not a work that you do. It's just a letting go and a trusting Christ. And so... He's got a real, there's a real compassion, there's a religious uh, condition, there's a ready confession, and then lastly, there's a resulting commission. A resulting commission, and that's really where we were going to end this where we started it. Paul talked about his desire, and we see what his desire, the way it drove him. But notice what he says here in verse number 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That's a great question, isn't it? How shall they believe on Him in whom they have not heard? You say, oh, preacher, you don't understand how everybody, everybody I've met has heard of Jesus. You know my question to that? Which one? Which one? See, the Bible warns in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 that there's other spirits and other Christ and other baptisms, all these others. Why? Because the Christ that many people know is not the Christ of the Bible. So when we, when we talk about Him, we're talking about Him. How many of you like to be misrepresented? Anybody ever been misrepresented? Anybody ever been said, oh, this is the way that person is? Uh, you know, what's Jesse like? Oh, let me tell you what he's like. And then all of a sudden you get, a, get, get around and you meet this person and they're acting weird toward you. And you're just like, man, what's the deal? And they're just like, well, I, you know, and you get to know them and they get to know you. And it's like, man, 
I was told that you were kind of a jerk. Or I was told that you were this way or that way. And, uh, and, and I found that that's not to be true. It's kind of like that. People misrepresent Christ. So I'll say, which one? There's really only one true Christ. But the Christ which many people... See, for some people, the only Christ they know is the little baby in the manger. Amen. That's it. Or maybe this weak guy up there on the cross all the time. That's not Christ. That's not our Jesus. Our Jesus isn't a baby. Our Jesus is not on the cross. Hallelujah. Our God is on the throne. Amen. I mean, He's coming back with a flame of fire. Amen. To judge this world one day. That's our Savior. That's our Lord. Many people don't know Him. And so, how should they, how should they believe on Him whom they've not heard? And how should they hear without a preacher? Israel's ignorance, I've said, was one more of choice. But I'd say today that most of the world around us today, they are in darkness. They just don't really know. They, they've never truly heard the, the message. Don't, I, I've, I've tried to admonish you and encourage you as well as encourage myself in this many times. Oh, I tried to talk to them, but right away they cut me off because they said they don't want to hear about religion and blah, 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 blah. Man, we've got to find another way then. Amen? I mean, I, you know, I, I can remember talking to a fellow in particular, and he's like, well, I don't really believe in that. I believe, and he, he cited some Eastern religion of some sort. You know, quote-unquote New Age stuff. And, and I just simply asked him, I said, okay, I want to have a conversation. Well, what do you believe about origins? I want to keep the conversation going. I don't want to just say, oh, well, he's a heathen. I guess that's nothing there. Keep the conversation going. I mean, what, what do you believe about origins? Uh, how, how, what do you believe about the afterlife? What do you believe about eternity? I mean, I just try to get, a, get some kind of dialogue going. Why? So I can get back to giving them the Word. Amen? And, uh, and, 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 and the point is, is that some of the people, I, I dare say that most of the people you've ever met that have a hostile uh, attitude toward God is because they've never really seen a true representation of God. Don't get too bent out of shape at that person. You don't understand that they were raised in a religious household where they were emotionally and psychologically abused in the name of this God and of Jesus and of church. So when you run into them, oh, I can't believe them. I can't believe how they, the attitude they have toward God and toward Jesus. They don't know Jesus and God. They don't have, their attitude is toward another Jesus, if you will. It's our job to be a channel of blessing. It's our job to be patient. It's our job to be loving. Amen. It's our job to try to reach them with the gospel. Amen. Oh, they don't want God. They don't know God. Amen. Amen. May God help us. Amen. I mean, listen, how shall they hear? How shall they hear without a preacher? And, I, and listen, you say, well, I'm not a preacher today. Well, in that sense, we all are. Amen. We all have a message. If you're saved by God's grace, and as we all stand this morning as the pianist comes, I'll ask you this today. I'll ask you this today. What's your heart's desire? Hey, I'm not standing up here in some place of, uh, as some perfect person standing before you. I've got to ask myself that as well. What's my heart's desire? What is my heart's desire? What do I want more than anything? Man, I hope it's spiritual. If it's not, I need to ask God to help me. What's your prayer? We need to pray for our needs. We do. But have your prayers just been all about self and your problems and your concerns? We need to pray, but man, what about somebody else? I ask myself that because you, you say, where does it start? I believe it starts with prayer. Call that person's name out. Ask God every single day. I was told this when I was a, a young Christian. I'm ashamed to say I've not always followed it. 
But I was told this by one of the men that helped disciple me after I got saved. He said, you need to pray to God every day that God will open up a door for you to share the gospel. Every day, ask God, Lord, open up a, a door for me today. Because you know what happens when you pray that? You start looking for that door. You start looking for that opportunity. Are you ashamed? I'm ashamed to say I'm ashamed sometimes. That's awfully hard to admit, but I am. But you know what we need to do? Get over it, amen. And we need to just get things into perspective. I've got a great God. I've got a great Savior. I'm going to share Him, amen. I'm going to invite this person to church. I'm going to try to, I'm tr I'm going to, try to get a message for this person to, to read. This person's a reader. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll try to get something in their hands for them to read. You know what Jesus did? Jesus said, I'm going to have a meal with them. I'm going to have a meal with them. I'm going to have them over. Or I'm going to take them out. I'm going to spend a little bit of time. I'm going to befriend them. Call out their names. I ain't trying to put some kind of guilt trip on anybody, but I'm just trying to encourage you and myself as well to reach the world. Are you here today and you're unsaved? Will you please admit your need for salvation today? I'm going to give you a couple verses and be done. 1 Corinthians 15, 34, the Bible says, Awake to righteousness. Gives the indication that there's some of us that fall asleep spiritually sometimes. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Listen to this. For some have not the knowledge of God. Some have not the knowledge of God. But that's not all the verse. He goes on to say, I speak this to your shame. Some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Jude 1 verses 22 through 23 says, And if some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Some have compassion, making a difference. Lord help us. God, I bow before you this morning. Perhaps as a man that needs this message more than anybody else in here today. To have a heart's desire to draw closer to you, to have a heart's desire that as I draw closer to you, God, to have a heart's desire for souls, people to come to Christ. Yes, for Christians to grow. Yes, for them to be disciples, follow you in baptism and to and be discipled. Those are all so vital. But God, it's got to start with them knowing you. Lord, I'm glad for the growth of this church, but I'm burdened. God, because it's been a while since we've seen somebody come to you. It's been a while since we've seen somebody Walk this aisle for salvation. God, that's got to be a regular. I want to see that a regular thing, Lord. It's been a while, God, since maybe one of us have prayed with somebody, taken time to lead somebody to you. God, help me to be that man. I pray that you'll help every child of God in here to say today, help me to be that man. Help me to be that woman. Help me to be that boy or girl that leads somebody to you. God, we may not have boldness right now. We may still struggle with shame and we're ashamed that we struggle with shame. But God, if we'll pray, I believe you'll give us the power to overcome that. If we pray and start calling out their names, if we pray and start understanding and envisioning their, real, their future reality and their present reality, 
God, it'll give us a burden, God, to be able to reach out, to go that extra mile, to sacrifice our comfort, to sacrifice our comfort zones, and to reach out, maybe just to pass out a tract. Whatever it may be, God, help us to make a difference for you.